American Hammers Radio presents Fortunes Always Hiding. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fortunes Always Hiding podcast here on American Hammers Radio. I am your host, Zach. Join as always. Well, I shouldn't say as always, but the last episode wasn't. But joined as normally with Johnny Adafelli, who's feeling a lot better. And yes, Chris, who's in Erie, Pennsylvania, no, where it's not all that eerie, but really just really cold. Yeah, it's very cold and uh, snowy here. Sounds like what happens when you live on the lake. Yeah, you're not wrong. Ain't that right, Cleveland? <laughs> oh, we got to talk about Cleveland. Ugh. Because it's, it's colloquially... I think, I think ever, almost every episode, uh, yeah. we have started off state or some city. And it's always in Ohio. <laughs> or it's mostly, we've also done it to Florida, but mostly Ohio, which I love my birthday, so. <laughs> hey, I, I will admit your flag is very unique. It's the only flag that it's not yeah, a like. What? What, Chris? What'd you what? say? What'd you say? I didn't Oh, I thought you did. But okay. It's, okay. it's the only U.S. state. Yeah, it's the only U.S. state that doesn't have like a that it's not like a square or a rectangle or something. It's unique. It has. It's kind of like one of those old um, sailing flags that you see sometimes on like when you go to a fancy restaurant that has things on the wall and frames. Or yeah, it, it's, I think I forget what they're called. I think it's called like a pen, not a pendant. It, it has more of a pennant shape. Uh, but it, but the uh, it doesn't just end in a uh, pure triangle. But anyway, we have a lot of terrible things to talk about. Yeah, in the uh, U.S. Uh, flag <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'll say that I'll say the discussion for Reddit. All right, so we got two games to talk about this week. We got West Ham Leicester, and we got West Ham West Brom. <sighs> yeah, in the FA Cup, which neither of which were good. So let's talk about the first not good match on Wednesday against Leicester. So how was that? Which West Ham lost for one, by the way, in case you didn't see it. Which, if you didn't, good for you. Yeah. It was just miserable. So, I want to talk about the first goal for a second. How was that not offsides? I, so, with it being, I know it wasn't that long ago, but, I mean, with uh, West Brom in between, I've kind of forgotten, like, mentally forgotten, but I kind of rem- I do remember that one, and I have no clue how that one was off or wasn't off. Uh, offsides. Uh, I don't think it was offside. If you could, if you look again at the replay, he passed it behind him. Like he's the guy, the the, the striker is actually a little bit behind uh, the passer of the ball. So I don't. It, it, it looked weird at first, but when you look at it again, it's. Did, yeah. did VAR check that one though? Like, was yeah, there, it did. Well, there, okay. there was a check, but it was ruled to be onside, and the flag stayed down. But com- considering how this year has gone with VAR checking things, if you look at. What was it? Wolves, uh, Man U earlier this year when a guy was literally off, his heel was off by like a half a millimeter, half a millimeter, and they called it off. And that left well, the Wolves coach going ballistic, and I don't blame the man. Guys, I let's be honest. As somebody was offside, we were terrible. <laughs> yeah. One one did not make the difference. We are playing so poorly right now. All confidence is shot. It looks. In fact, it's looking like the players aren't even giving 100%. I mean, like, how many times can Noble and some of the other players say, we have to give more, we have to do more? It looks to me like players are downing tools. 
They're sick of playing in a glorified car park with trailers on the side of the pitch. And they're sick of an ownership who doesn't know what they're doing. They're not bringing in reinforcements. It's an unbalanced squad. They're sick of David Moyes and literally one other coach standing on the sidelines telling them what to do and no other support staff, no nothing out. So I think what we're seeing here is a completely demotivated squad of players and Leicester are the opposite. I mean, they're young. They have some superb, some superb talented players, uh, superbly talented players. And and what we're seeing here is is a team that has everything that feels like it has nothing to play for. Yeah, so I, we're, we're going to get into all of that because there's a lot of uh, stuff we're going to cover in this podcast that I, you had actually just mentioned, but it, it feels like this team is down on itself. I mean, f- f- they're starting to show some dissent within the ranks, especially from the top with uh, Noble. So, I mean, it, it is getting to a boiling point very quickly between the players, the boards, the fans, everybody. It's... It's very volatile at the moment, and I don't know how much more uh, it's, it's going to stay at this level before things really pop off. Well, and that's something that, that we're going to talk about because it, it's – I'm afraid that if we continue to go down this path, one, we're going to get relegated, which isn't what we want. And if we do get relegated, the we're not going to – Next year, if we hypothetically do get relegated, the stadium is going to look like a ghost town. You could probably set up a haunted house on the top level if you really wanted to. And I don't think anyone would care. And it would feel more like a carnival-like atmosphere at fear, as if you're in Coney Island than it would be that you're at a, that you're at a championship league match, which is pathetic, really. And the, where the, this is going, it's just... I don't know how Pellegrini felt towards the end when he just said no words to describe it. I kind of feel like that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting back to the Leicester match, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we didn't come out uh, and play that well. And then um, like, a, honestly for years, um, the other team scores a goal and we just get the stuffing knocked out of us immediately. And it's just so hard for us. We, other teams, sometimes a goal wakes them up. You know, you, you see yeah. that. You'll see like a team playing and someone scores and, and it almost like it's a slap across the face. I just don't see that from West Ham United. Um, and it's been like that for a long time. And so, it, you know, perhaps some of these backroom issues are, are really at play there. But what you see is the, the shoulders dropping, the heads go down, um, the body language changes. We look puzzled. We have no solution uh, yeah. to, to the problem. Right. Well, and it's just, it's it's pathetic. And if we look at the second goal that Leicester scored, it was a defensive lapse. There were guys, yeah. there were two guys um, up top and four guys down below. And there was this wide open path and a Leicester player right there on the other side. And it just, as if it was, I don't know, taking a Sunday stroll down the park. It just looked well. Simple. To me, though, see, I actually that to me is that I goes down to David Moyes because Mezwaku was supposed to be there. And he wasn't. He routinely he routinely goes missing up the pitch and does not track back. Everyone knows that. Everyone who has watched him play, that's their major criticism of him. 
And so Moyes instead is like, no, he's a wing back. I need to use the flair that I've got, so I'm going to use it. And so Cresswell tucked in as that third center back, because I know we talked about this in a previous podcast, but we're definitely playing three at the back with two wing backs. And so we end up with six defenders or, you know, like, you know, cause, cause Noble or, or, or Rice is always back there. So it's like, everyone's a defender. It's like Tony Poulos ball. Um, but um, he was supposed to be there and he absolutely was not. Yeah. So there was no one there. Yeah. You know, the, and there was it their right back who just waltzes up there and just, you know, lasers one into the, yeah. into the net. Probably. It's to say it's frustrating is a really really understatement. It's putting it up. Uh, yeah. Well. Okay. So then halftime comes down two nil. Um, the f- first five minutes of the game, like leading up to the penalty, we actually came back and we had a li- had some fight in in us. Yeah. Um, and it was great to see. And so Alaire draws a penalty, which is then checked by VAR and was confirmed to be a penalty. Yeah. If that happens, first off, did you think it was a penalty? 100%. Yes. Stonewall. Okay. He was after a ball, he was in the box, and he was taken down. Okay, yeah. so next question. If this happens anywhere else on the pitch, is this a foul? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because to me, it seemed a little weak, and I. but upon review, it looked more like a penalty than what I saw in real time, but it just – it was one of those things that I saw on a Lester chat room, and they were discussing, is this really a penalty? And – if this is really a penalty, why is like why is this like would this be penalty penalty elsewhere? The only reason I'm there, by the way, is because, <laughs> it's because a friend of mine actually sent me sent me a link to something something completely that I don't want to talk about. And I saw that I was, I was exiting that thread. I was like, oh, this is an interesting topic. And so I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah, it was definitely a penalty. And Mark Noble does what he does, and he got up there and and, and, and you know put it in, and that's why he's at the very top of the goals scored um, from penalties in the Premier League now. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. He's in, he's in he's in the top five or whatever. Um, so he did what he did, and you're right. We had fight. It looked like some, David Moyes corrected things. I'm I'm really liking the fact that he's like okay. I'm making massive changes at halftime. Go out there and do something. And he's he's trying. You can't you can't say David Moyes is not trying. He's not willing to gamble. He's not willing to like throw things at the wall and see what happens. Yeah, his pieces are just so weak. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, and and the and the players that are truly exceptional. I mean, Allaire is a great player. We all know that. We've seen what he's done in other in other leagues, uh, you know, with other clubs. He's a really wonderful player. Um, you know, we have some talented players out there. For Niles, I really like, and I think he's he could grow, continue to grow, and be a great player. Um, but but what we're seeing is like like we've alluded to, they're completely demotivated. And then so after that initial like twenty minutes or so of fight in the second half. Um, I we had a chance to get back in it. I did too. And then Lester weathered that. They got the match. They slowed it down. And let let's let's go ahead and admit they played the the snidiest little like old kind of like Arsenal under Arsene Wenger. Oh god. Every time someone touches them, they're on the ground, like uh, Madison holding his face. And if he feels someone at his back, he's like diving forward and I mean, slowing the match down as much as possible. It was disgusting. That referee was the most whistle happy yep. ref this season. I think I saw yep. the stats that it was like 15 against us through like the first 60 minutes. 
Yeah, it was disgusting. And 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 that helped them that they slowed the match down, they got back into it and they let's face it, who is not a better passer of the ball than us in the league? I mean, I mean, I can't think of a team that that I mean, Norwich who are bottom right now, aren't they? Yes. Um, yeah, they passed the ball better than West Ham United. So, yeah. um, you know, they got back into it, they pat they outpassed us and then all they needed was one more goal and yeah, it was there was no confidence left. I, so, uh, as, as I've talked about before, I do the po- I do post match live streams yeah. uh, on American Hammers TV with uh, Irish Tommy. And two of the things we had talked about with this match was, first of all, again, this is the second manager that has decided oh, we're only going to play Allaire up top on his, by himself. When and then as soon as Antonio comes on and to come up from with him, that's when it, he's able to push forward, get the confidence, and able to nick the pen. Uh, this is this, like I said, this is a second manager who refuses to play two up top, and it doesn't make sense to me. And then on top of that, we the other thing we had said is Lanzini cannot start again. I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to build the confidence back up. He's trying to get him back in form. But Lanzini will never be the same player, let alone a thousand or hundred thousand pound a week player. Yeah, I mean, but you know, Anderson is supposed to be that in that position. Um, Anderson was playing very well off of Allaire, but what happened? West Ham United happened. Anderson got hurt. But he know. didn't start for Null, one of arguably our best player at the moment. No, I agree, but I don't know if Fornals is the natural fit in that position. I think Fornals needs to be on the left where he has more freedom, um, where he can cut in, where he can – I mean, he was playing brilliant football on the left. Um, but I don't think that um, – I, I don't I don't know if that's the natural place for him to be is in the hole like that. I mean, maybe it is, but you're absolutely right. Lanzini, oh, my gosh, what a shadow of the player he was. And, and it's, 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 it's an absolute shame. It's another one of those situations, again, like we talk like, – the media always talk about it. it's uh, another what could have been because I don't see Lanzini pulling out of this. No. And I mean, he was on his day, he was a world beater for us. He was getting sniffs by Liverpool. Even the earlier this year, Juventus were interested in him. And now I just don't know who would be interested in, in him at all. And we have, Massive contract with him. MLS, yeah. MLS, MLS. No, God, no. He's too young for MLS. He wouldn't want to do that. He'd stay. He'd try to stay. Well, and so guys, let's him. let's let's remember where he got hurt. He was playing for Argentina. So, I mean, he's a he's a he's a phenomenally talented player. But it was a it was a brutal injury. I mean, it may take him two years to get to really get back, and he's already had a few setback injuries. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, and. So just to give you an idea as to how bad we looked, the second half felt like a shooting gallery to me. They just kept coming in, taking shots, coming in, taking shots. They had 11 shots on 11 goal attempts in the half with five on target. That's problematic for us. We're not defending them. We're not stuffing it out. We're not taking balls away. Even deflecting balls so that they go, go out is just why, how can you, how can you be a successful Premier League franchise if you are not taking, if you're not, Blocking shots, and if you're not taking putting in more shots, it's just you know. Ironically, I feel like our our only uh, bright spot in that match, and consecutively uh, after that, 
uh, was Randolph. I, I was surprised. I thought Randolph looks, he looks completely assured. He looks relaxed. I mean, I as, as relaxed as you can be with four goals going by you. But, um, yeah. I mean, you know, he wasn't at fault. Yeah, he was put up against the monumental task, especially for his first match back in the Prem. Yeah. And he uh, did he did great until everyone capitulated. Yeah, uh, I will I will give as little credit as I will give that that it might be a decent buy uh, in this window because we needed a role, or a decent backup goalkeeper, and the fact that he's done well in the championship, he's now come up, he's got that first team ex- continuous first team experience, he showed confidence and poise out there. Well, and you know, he already knows a lot of the other players. We, yeah, we that about this. you know the cold. Um, but you know why we got him, right? Because we we no, we still owed Middlesbrough. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was not a, only was he that he was cheap, but we actually just didn't have to pay. So he was cheaper than it even looks on the books because yeah. we didn't, ha- you know, we didn't have to pay them, uh, you know, or whatever. However, it works out. But um, yeah, we. It's uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Not because he was the best option; it's because he was the easy option. Yeah, but fair play to him. That, you know, none of that matters. You know, when it comes to him, and he's playing well. He's taking advantage of all of his opportunities. I don't blame him. Yeah. All right, now we move on to Saturday's miss miss happy. Oh, Jesus Christ! And so against West West Brom. First off, what was up with their jerseys? The green and yellow stripe, are they lemonade vendors? Do they work for Nathan's Hot Dogs? What is it? A lot of clubs do this yellow away kit. You know, Arsenal and Chelsea used to do it and sometimes still do. And um, so now clubs do it. It's it's different. It stands out and it matches whatever. It was garish and hideous. I don't necessarily think that that's why they won. But um, it was just an eyesore to watch. Here's West Ham in a yeah. beautiful jersey against West Brom that looked like they should be selling lemonade down at the Coney Island Pier or something. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell are you wearing? The Green Bay Packers are done for. You don't need. You can put away your overalls, Packers hat fans. Come on. Yeah, it's just. Uh, <laughs> that was not the ugliest thing about that game, though. Well, no, it wasn't. But I, I also want to talk about Slavon Bilic. What the, what look is he going for? Is he going for this rugged um, old man sort of look? I like the I've seen some. That's, that's kind of the look. It reminds yeah. me of the look that he was going for at the end of uh, his time here at West Ham. Yeah, that's what he does. I mean, he's got that like really bad hair plug thing going on top, and then he's got like and then he's got like the sleeping under a bridge for a few months beard. Um, but then he also, he's the guy, he's like, you know, I could either represent you in court because he was like an attorney, right? And he was a lawyer. And then he also, uh, is like in a rock band and like plays guitar. So he could like, you know, put a cigarette in his mouth and like give him a, you know, sling a guitar over his shoulder. And he's like, he can still do it, you know? So you get that vibe somewhere between, he's like cool, homeless, you know? He's, uh, he's, he's so got he, it going on. So he's going through a midlife crisis. Great. Nah, nah. He's just he's Euro cool, man. <laughs> you know, you could look like that and go to a club, and girls in Europe are like, "I'm digging it." <laughs> it, it, it to me, it just struck me as very odd. I was, I had a. He's always looked like that. I had a high school history teacher who looked a, a lot like him when I saw him, and I was like, "Holy shit, Mister Forney, did you quit your job at Churchill and move to the UK?" No, okay. <laughs> 
dude, dude, look up if you if if you're baffled by that. Look, there's some magazine covers that he's that he's on the front of that are outrageous. He looks he looks like some sort of you're like, what movie was he in? He looks like this really <laughs> weird because the more famous you get, the like the weirder your facial hair gets. So I don't know what the deal is with that, right? Um, you're but, really wrong there. I see what you're going for. It's you know, like it's it's weird. It's like people just give up. Uh, you know, it's like oh, I could look like anything. Like Sheila Booth, like he looks, <laughs> you know, like that dude looks like he crawled out from under like a trash can sometimes. You know, well, I mean, I, I think he has a method. Method he did, yeah. If he was re- rehearsing a role or something, but um, but you know, talented as hell. And um, anyway, back to Slavin Bilic. Uh, you know, we all still love him. I mean, it wasn't his. It really it, well. It was half not his fault. Um, what happened uh, with his tenure? But also, we didn't have a style of play. What? Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> so, I said. The majority of West Ham fans can agree, can agree on this. Uh, besides the transfer policy, I think the biggest the, the biggest reason for Slavin Bilic's downfall was Dimitri Payet. After after his departure, he was a broken man. He just couldn't. He, he looked defeated. He felt like it looked like he just couldn't care less. It's like you just lost a loved one almost. Well, I mean, it, it does make sense. I mean, the reason Payet left is not because he just missed France so much, even though, come on, if you were going to live in, like, London or the south of France. Um, well, I just said it was part of it. But, but, like, the real reason was, and we all know this, he was promised that we were going to build a team around him, that we were going to buy all these players to compliment him, that we were going to, like, you know, actually the things we always say we're going to do and never do it. And we're going to get into that in a second, yeah. but, but like we didn't do any of it. We didn't bring him. Who did we bring in? Like, um, Oh my God. What was that Norwegian dude? Uh, no, Norvite. yeah. Norvite. And like, I mean, yeah, that's the guy. I mean, nothing against Norvite. If you listen to this, you're, you're a beautiful man. God bless you. But if you're um, if you might as listen to this, just why? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hey, you never know. The internet is really weird. But, uh, but but seriously, like we didn't build a, a world class team around him. We didn't no. even get him a, someone to pass the ball to. Mark Noble was the best player, and Mark Noble's been there. Mark Noble, we could go down a League One, and he's not leaving at this point. So, uh, you know, we 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 broke our promises. And Billich is an honorable man. So yeah, I bet that did get to him, and especially to lose guys. Still, some of my favorite memories as a West Ham United supporter. Are the things he did on that pitch? Watching, did you? Were you guys supporting us then? That was my first season. So wow, those oh are my, my those. God. Yeah, I got lucky. I Man. Uh, I think I've, I don't know if I've told the story on here or not, but I'll quickly say it again. I was not a big fan of the sport uh, until high school, and then I kind of got in through uh, watching FIFA YouTube videos, and two of the YouTubers I watched were West Ham fans. So at the final season of the Bull Inn, they started vlogging every home match. So I got that kind of personalized experience sure. and love with the club that way. Well, I mean, you know, and we should do an entire episode on why it's good to support West Ham United because since this podcast has been going, it has been a like a dirge. It's <laughs> been like we, we need to kind of just look at on the back, like all right. So, so just Zach, put that in your head. At some point, we need to do a why this is the best club in the world, comma, despite the owners. So yeah. let's 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 tee that up. I, 
as the season keeps going, and if we keep going as poor as we are, then yes, we will do that. Uh, sticking with uh, Slavin Bilic, though, I will say this. I saw this after the match. Um, there was a uh, article actually came out. I think it was in his press conference. He actually addressed West Ham fans after that match. Uh, because he knew he knows what we're going through and everything, and he said, "Trust David Moyes. He can. He he is the man. He he will get you through this." So well, that's I, just because again he's I so love, honorable and I, I love Slavin Bilic. I honestly, re- I really wish it would have worked out. I really do. We all do. We all do. Everyone likes him. No one's like you know he's kind of a jerk. No, nobody's <laughs> like that. We're like he's cool. You know, he's Croatian. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been nice. He would have been. It would have been nice for him to work out. He was a club legend. He's a great guy. He's a guy you want to have a couple beers with. Great on tele, Great television. Con- yeah. uh, Amazing. Yeah. I'll do. When, I'll never forget when Pyatt scored that. that he uh, and he got up on the desk. Yeah. On TV. Oh God, that's so great. God, I, down, like this is all. Like I, I'm, I've only been a fan for a few years, and this is like almost nostalgic already. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when times were fu- when times were good, I missed those yeah. days. But let's talk about what, let's talk about the actual game. <laughs> now let's get into the bads. <laughs> yeah. So West Brom goes down to ten late in the second, and we can't get anything going at all. We keep trying, trying, trying. And I was just watching the highlights before um, before I sat down to dinner, right before the, uh, this, and most of the highlights on the West Ham website were West Brom highlights, just yeah. shots. Yes. Listeners, listeners, Zach is using the term highlight loosely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and that's how they put it. They didn't put it in low lights sure. or follies. Although I would like to see do you remember Follies the, is great. <laughs> do you remember the old and like there's like the old NFL folly tapes you used to get them on VHS? Yes. Yes. yes, I do Our, actually. Chris, go to go to a thrift store. Go look at the VHS section. Section. I'm sure you're gonna find them. I find a bunch of them. I know what VHS is, man. Oh, Come on. Dude, there's gotta be on YouTube. There's gotta be like old sports bloopers. Like, but dude, like, just find something. This is not West Ham related, guys. Who cares? But this is amazing. <laughs> like, go find like some like from the '80s. Even like they're like the tennis players and stuff. Hysterical. I used to I used to have a VHS though. To to be fair, of one of these. God knows where. I got it from and I watched it until I broke it. I mean it was they're, they're amazing. So I I find a bunch of them all the time when I'm out thrifting and normally you can get them for like a dollar or twenty five cents. And I still yeah. have a couple of VHS players. And if you don't have a VHS player, you go to a thrift store. They have tons of them. Yeah. Um or you can go on eBay. They're selling bunches of them. They actually sell quite well. Nobody buys anything on eBay, Zach. You would be surprised <laughs> what people buy. You'd be surprised to what the hell I'm, I'm selling. Plugging your own uh, like Page and Actually, I can prove you wrong by going to blah 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 dot <laughs> All right, but anyways, so we lacked, we looked, we lacked drive, and we just couldn't get anything going offensively and defensively. We looked, it looked like the Leicester game all over again. We just kept taking shot after shot against us, and when we went down, then they went down to town. I thought for myself, good, we have a chance to come back and at least tie it and take and get a second. Get a replay back at West Brom. I'd be thrilled with that. But of course, no. The best chance we had at the game was the no was the noble chance late in uh, stoppage time when he just skied it. Well, everyone knows that's not who you wanted to drop to. If Mark Noble could score goals from twenty five or fifteen yards away, um, he would be amazing. He would have played for England. 
Yes. He would have absolutely 100%. That's all he needed to add to his game. He still deserves a cap at least. Well, come on. Of course he does. And he's never going to get it now. It's always going to be one of those. And and I got to be honest with you, people who are not West Ham fans don't understand that. They, they, they are really, they think we blow him out of proportion. And you know what? You're all wrong. Lovely. So my, so the two thing, biggest things for me, I mean, we didn't even have a shot on target until I think like the 80th minute after the red card came. So, I mean, that's a, that's a story in itself as to how that game went. I think the biggest issue that I took away from that game was the goal itself that they scored. That ball fell right to him. All of the defenders just planted their feet and watched him. No one tried to close him down. No one tried to run at him uh, and force him off of it. No, they basically part of the season. Like here, have a here, have a shot. So that was well, I think that was my biggest complaint of the match. You know, to our point where we were talking about um, you know players downing tools or, or at the very least being demotivated. What has happened to players like Balbuena? Who last year, Balbuena was phenomenal. Like I remember when we started this season, I was like, "It's a, it's a crying shame that Ogbana is starting over Balbuena." And right now, Ogbana is the hammer of the year. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like no one's even come close. But but, Maybe right. but, but we have to admit, at the beginning of the year it was very harsh. Balbuena played brilliantly last year. I thought he deserved a start oh. to continue that. And then, what in the world? He like how many times did he give the ball the ball away in the first half? Eight, Lots. eight, or something. It was it is literally crazy to the point where David Moyes subbed off a central defender um, halfway through the game. I mean, which never happens, man. I mean, you you got to score well, like an own goal for that to happen, and even then. Well, so I want to give you the stat. So in the first half, we held fifty-two percent ball possession. We had two goal attempts, zero on net. West Brom had five goal attempts, two on net. Uh, in the second half, we outpossessed them sixty to forty. And we had 13 goal attempts and three on goal. They had six on attempts and one on goal. It, even though the stats say that, it still felt like we were getting um, shells. And the I, the game completely changed when Antonio came on in half, yes. which was great. But at the same time, we can't be relying on Antonio to be coming on in half. And to be making three substitutions at half, it's not good at all because if someone gets injured or something late in the second half, we're screwed. Well, Chris, I'm going to let you do this one because I know you know this. What did Mark Noble say recently about that? He said that um, in an interview to, I think it was uh, Moose, screw him. Yeah. Um, but he said that we cannot rely on me to come on at, uh, at my age to try and change the course of the game in the second half. Yeah, Mark Noble said, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I've got no business coming on in an FA Cup game and trying to change the match at this point. He's like, you know, we should not be in that position where I have to do that. And this is the first thing he's ever said that's critical of the board. Yeah. Well, and- I, remind me real quick, who was the third sub? I'm blanking. It was Antonio Noble and was it Fornals? And, no, Agbana. He came Agba. off the Balbuena. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, our squad depth is so great that we do murders for an FA Cup game because there's no one else. What we're going to do, we're going to put in like kids and like Sam Allardyce and play 14 year olds and get beat 7 0. My, I, I think the biggest, my biggest concern with that game moving forward, especially, is Antonio just came back from injury. 
Um, so I granted the 45 minutes is fine uh, just to try and build up his fitness, not throw him in right away. Noble, at the he's exactly right. At his age, he should not be having to worry about that. And Ogbonna is getting up there too. We needed that match. We should have had that match without those three, and it should have been a pretty handed victory. But now moving forward, now using them as well, we have a match against freaking Liverpool on Wednesday. They're, they're going to be – this team is exhausted. And yeah. after this, I believe we have a like six- or seven-day break, maybe a little less or around there. And then after the Brighton match, we have 15. Oh, no, hang on. We got Brighton on the, on the first. Then we got Man City yeah. on the ninth. Yeah. And then we have Liverpool oh, on the 24th oh. against uh, – I thought I thought it was a 15 day break between break. Oh man, uh, dude, have you guys looked at the fixture list for the rest of the year? Yes. Oh yeah, I, I hate looking at it because it's so depressing. It, so I, I had a good conversation with a friend of mine who's a massive Liverpool supporter, um, lucky bastard. But um, we were he supported them for a long time, even when they were terrible, like when they were in fourth. Um, but, <laughs> uh, love you, Miles. Um, but anyway, so we. Um, you know, we were having this conversation, and, and he was just like, uh, and I was telling him all the stuff that's going on, all the rumors, how bad it really, really could be. Because, guys, it could be worse if some of these rumors are true. Anyway, uh, uh, so I was telling him about this, and he was like, what's your, you know, what, what are your upcoming matches? And I was like, oh, let me read you our fixture list. So I started telling him, you know, we, you know, we play we play you guys. We play, um, and he was like, well, you guys can scrap and, 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 and try to keep it close. I was like, no, you're going to be a 7-0. And I was like, and then, and then, you know, then we play Brighton. We play the reserves, which will not happen. Yeah. Well, well, hang on, well, so hang on. Shrewsbury actually came back and tied them and forced a replay, which I'm actually – but it was against their, I, I, it was against their youth side. But still, props to Shrewsbury. Oh, I mean, uh, absolutely. Good for them. Good for them. But I mean, in the long run, obviously moot. But good. I mean, like someone showed pride and fight. And what are they in League One? I think. Yeah. So um, you know, all respect to Shrewsbury. I, I um, love the fight. Do that. I loved the uh, fight afterwards on Twitter. Whether or not, like between Klopp and them, whether the FA Cup matters anymore. And Shrewsbury said, because of this second leg draw, we will be able to afford video replay technology. So for the lower clubs, the FA Cup still really does matter. Well, Guardiola's the worst. He's all the time like, oh, I don't understand why we have to play in the League Cup, or I don't have to understand why we have to do this. But, you know, we don't have a billion dollars to spend on players. So Shrewsbury is in League One. Um, They're currently in 16th. They're four behind uh, Lincoln. Um, and they are three ahead of AFC Wimbledon. Oh, yay! I love AFC Wimbledon. And which are two points ahead of the MK Dons. So, <laughs> screw which, MK Dons. Which I find hilarious. Franchise FC. Y'all know the story behind that, right? Yep. Good. I don't have to take up our airtime. Let's keep going. All right, but it's just, it's pathetic to see. And then, as, as um, we talked about, I was going to talk about this, um, like, just about to get into it, but Noble says he's getting too old for this shit. No different than uh, Roger Murtaugh in Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this shit. That's true. And they look very similar. What a reference. <laughs> but, but it's just, it's frustrating to me because the board doesn't want to go out and spend money for good for quality players. We 
when they did go out and spend money for a quality player like Payette, we didn't see, we didn't give any more money to anyone else. We didn't build around him. And now we're stuck in our own filth. And no one's going to come from behind with a pooper scooper and put it into our bag and put it to the trash. We need to figure out how we can stay in our own filth for at least for the end of the year. And then when the spring comes, when the summer comes, get people in who want to be in, make some major sales, and get 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 focused again. And if this means we need to get lose Moyes, I'm all for that. Yeah. So, bridging that, let's mm-hmm. let's talk about the uh, rumor then uh, yeah. that you sent us earlier, uh, John. So there's a rumor. Um, not really going to, uh, I'm not ATK by any stretch of the imagination. Um, this is something I saw on knees up mother Brown, but, um, there is someone who, who has had some reliable information in the past who said there is a chance that David Moyes could walk, um, and could actually quit the club. Um, in a, you know, in a couple weeks, I think it was because he has not been backed. He was promised transfer funds. He was promised support and shock and amazement. Uh, none of that has materialized. Uh, David Sullivan is doing his, his old tricks. I mean, cash is a great example. Uh, the, the, the right back we were looking at yeah. from Nottingham Forest. I mean, they wanted like uh, AC Milan offered 15 million pounds for him. And so we go in and we say, well, we'll give you 12 structured over 25 years um, <laughs> in porno mags. So, um, you know, like that's the kind of stuff we do. And then when shot, you know, oh no, they, they actually said, no, well, we tried. And so uh, the, the rumor, well, and, and, and it's only from one source, but I, but I, like, I trust this guy. He's, he, um, he doesn't uh, kind of just make stuff up. Uh, he he basically said no. I mean, like uh, there's a there's a chance that that Moyes could be sick of this and just quit right now and not have another relegation on his hands. It, and if I if I'm going to be honest too, it, it makes a lot of sense as to why the backroom staff has not been filled. And that's the reason that so someone yeah. was saying like we don't even have a staff. And he's like, well, Moyes is like, why would I do that? Why would I go ahead and staff this up? It's a train wreck. You know, yeah. they're already they've already lied to me. It's not even so much as to that. It, I think it's more to the like to be respectful to the other people that he would bring in, yes. especially those who are already in good, comfortable jobs. Why would he want to pull them to West Ham if he knows that he's not going to get the money, so he's going to walk, and they're going to be out of empl- uh, out of a job as well? Well, and, and you hear why you know Stuart Pierce. I mean, they were going to bring Pierce back, um, and you know why we didn't hire him, right? Because of the comments he made. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. This, this board is very self-conscious. It very, if that makes sense. It does. Um, I mean, when they learned about the protests happening uh, for the Leicester match, uh, they went out, all three of them went on a press tour, basically. Yeah. Um, now, now they hear that there's going to be more protests, uh, on the 29th of February, the quote that came out today was that David Sullivan was reluctant to spend money. Yep. Because uh, to help like quash uh, these borderline rebellions, because I mean, these, these people don't understand. I mean, any other club, 
who have the 17th richest club in the world, yep. especially if they're in a uh, relegation scrap. Think about that. Well, they would go to what's that? Think about that. The 17th richest yep. club in the world. I mean, the same article you're referencing, and I hate to interrupt you, but I usually do. Um, the, the, the same article referenced – well, in West Ham, we're going to need 40 million pounds to, to, to continue as a going concern. Why? What is that? What, 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 what sort of cash injection do we need to stay liquid? That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, but what, what was I kind of See, I did it again. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> Oh, we're the, we're the 17th richest club in the world, and we're facing a relegation scrap. And if if it, if it were me, I would be going to a club that has a player that I want. How much do you want for him? Oh, you want 15 million? Here, here you go. No questions asked. Well, maybe maybe try to order like the price down like a million, maybe. But I, I feel like these. These owners, oh, you want fifty million? Here, I'll give you five million dollars. Well, so the problem is with this ownership group; they're they're acting as if their wallets are being held at Fort Knox, and they don't want to spend any of their own money, yeah. which is a which is a huge problem when you're the seven when you're the seventeenth richest club in the world. And if you look at every other club that's on that list, most of them have won a league championship in the past ten seasons. Or some sort of cup in the past 10 seasons. And the fact that we, the greatest thing we've won was promotion back to the Premier League in the past 10 seasons is very troublesome and worrying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're definitely the only one that might be in the, uh, the second tier of their country, um, come next year. And so what that is is nothing less than gross mismanagement. I mean, wh- whether they have this weird plan to spend as little as possible so they can sell and make a huge profit, or whether they're just simply incompetent. I mean, like, you know, we did that interview uh, with the H-List where we talked about that, uh, that, that, that exact question. But, I, I mean, I'm at this point, I think it's both. I think that they think that they're being smart. They think that they're smarter than everyone else. And this is just, oh, no, this is how you wheel and deal. This is how you do business. Like, this is like Donald Trump, like, thinking he's like, oh, no, the, the art of the deal and all this politics well then he goes in there and like does something and you know it completely uh is terrible and and you know has to spin it so um well, think you're on. smarter than the other person you know come well, on hang on look, hang on look at donald trump's time in the usfl he thought he was smarter than everyone else he had no idea what the hell he was doing he had no idea what the hell he was doing in the usfl no i'm talking about it's not, when it's he, not politics we're making fun of donald trump that's normal and he owned a, and a, when he owned a USFL team, this is not political in any way, shape, or form. Okay. He had no idea what the hell he was doing. Executive from the league knew that he had no idea what he was doing. And when he pitched the idea to go head-to-head with the NFL in fall, he was like, this is a great idea. It was a terrible idea, and everyone knew it. My brother's been reading a USFL a book on the USFL, and that was one of the things that they talked about, how stupid of an idea it was, how he killed the league because of it. And I hate to say it, I kind of feel like our owners are Donald Trump owning the New Jersey Generals. Yeah, so so for Chris's sake, we'll we'll, we'll move on to a different analogy, but um, he's fairly uncomfortable. But, um, you know, uh, we love you anyway, Chris. But um, so 
but still to the point that the point we're trying to make here is that our ownership, uh, they think they're, they're more clever than they are. Um, they believe that they don't have to spend money. They can do this smarter. I mean, there are, there are, uh, interviews where David Sullivan has said that he knows more than any manager he can hire because he's done this for so long. Then why don't you become the manager? Well, no, my question is then why are we so terrible? Well, that, well, he knows more and he's so good. I have an answer to that. He's pulling a Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder, the Washington Redskins owner, hires in his own oh, likeness. Oh, God, yeah. He hires in his own likeness. If you look at any uh, GM or president of football ops or head coach that he's hired to run in, he's hiring his own likeness, and he's all hired yes-men. That's why the Redskins have had the highest, one of the highest turnover rates of head coaches in the entire NFL during his ownership reign. And it doesn't work, and the Redskins have made the playoffs, what, three times? Maybe four, I think, but it's just not good. And if more, if Sullivan thinks he knows more than the average bear, then why doesn't he man up, put his money where his mouth is, and get on the pitch and become the boss? And I don't even think he needs to put his money. He needs to put West Ham United's money yeah. where his mouth is because we have the cash. We have the, the. We don't need him to go and sell a bunch of property and like dump it into a player acquisition. What we need is to reinvest the funds that West Ham United have intelligently. Or if he can't do it, which he smarter than you people do. Steve Jobs always said, "Don't if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I've made a mistake." Right? Right. Yeah. So, bridging on that, do you guys want to get into some news here? Please. All right. Do it, man. Would you like me to talk about the positives or the meh first? After after uh, badgering you earlier, I'm going to let you have free reign. <laughs> <laughs> so, we need something heavy to talk about. Let's talk about positives. All right. So. I'm going to get into this. Uh, now, again, I've prefaced this before, and obviously this is going to be the last uh, with this podcast coming out just a few days before the window shuts. This is going to be the last probably transfer section, so to speak. But as of today, this has been confirmed by both X and the Players uh, Club, who um, is, let me try it here, Slavia Prague. We have had a 20 million euro bid uh, accepted for Czech defensive midfielder Tomas Soek. Yay! Um, and a little bit of uh, context about him: He's 24 years old, so he's not—he's not one of the retirees, basically. <laughs> uh, Coming to West Ham, um, he ha- is six foot four, so he's pretty. Paul dude. And this season in 25 appearances across uh, the Czech league and, um, and champions league, he has scored 10 goals in 25 matches. And last season, actually he was their leading goal scorer from defensive midfield. And he is their club captain. So he's fairly high rated. I'd say. Yeah. I would agree with that statement. So, Let's go. Finally, something. Um, I did see today, too, that uh, Sam Inkersoll has said that the club still want to try and get a, another striker and a right back. Don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, time's running out, dude. If you're going to do it, time is definitely running out. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the club, especially Moyes, want to offload 
Carlos Sanchez. So, oh no. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to for the simple reason that he's on 70,000 some a week, I think. And I know, man, but we could get a mannequin on wheels out there that would be better for us than Carlos. Sanchez. The contract is up in the Oh summer. my God. I've never seen a. That's not true. Benny McCarthy played for us and he was like 50 pounds of like the worst striker we've ever seen. If you guys have, you guys, just before your time, go watch Benny McCarthy and Benny McCarthy, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Enjoy your meal, but like seriously, I mean, like we, we called him, we called him Benny Big Mac um, because he's Benny McCarthy, and that's a that's a play on his last name for you slow uh, uh, listeners. But um, <laughs> he anyway, we've had some bad players, but but Carlos Sanchez is up there. Is my long winded point. I, so far, since I've been a fan of this club, I think Roberto still takes uh, takes the cake for that. Uh, Ooh, competitive. That's good. That's a competitive yeah, Zaza, answer. Zaza. Oh, I loved Zaza. He ran a lot. I mean, he was. He was. <laughs> I, I don't even give him that much crap for the simple reason being that he was here for such a short time. Oh, because of his beard. Did you see that thing? He looked like one of the guys from 300. My God, like shaved head, <laughs> beard, slight man crush going on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was he was a little dreamy. That's all I'm going to say. Not weird. Not weird. Just a little, little dreamy. Yeah. Um, so, on to the next piece. Uh, Winston Reed. We have likely seen the last of him a few years ago. Uh, he is apparently likely to accept a deal to the MLS. Not shocked here. Just the fact that it took as long as it did is just... Guys, I mean... I mean, he was such a good player for yeah. us for so long. He came in, you know, again, before your time, uh, the Avram Grant season, which, by the way, this reminds me of. Uh, this season feels a lot like that season. But he came in. We bought him after on the back end of a world of a really good World Cup uh, that he had for New Zealand. And we played him at right back, and he was terrible at right back. And everyone went, oh, my God, this guy's terrible. What a stupid – we paid like 2 million pounds or 3 million pounds for him back when that was normal to pay, pay for a defender. Yeah. And, um, and and so everyone said he was terrible. 2 million pounds for Harry Maguire is not normal? Uh, not as normal. Um, but and, – and then he just kept – we put, moved him into central midfield, and, man, he just grew and grew and grew. And he what a phenomenal player and a leader and a person. I mean, I, I will respect him. And, and it's just it's tragic that injury to have robbed the end of his career. Berlin, so. The last goal to Berlin. I mean, you, I mean, no one can ever take that away from him. And what a goal, too. That, that header was just. I remember running around my house. My parents had no clue what was going on. Yeah. No idea the context. Yeah. I was just running like a madman. Yeah. And deservedly so. Yeah. So, the next piece of news, uh, Zande Silva, if you remember him. Yeah. Uh, he is back and is in contention for the under-23s. Obviously, over the summer, he had that, actually, I think it was potentially life-threatening illness. Yeah. Uh, and now he's back in potential. it seems like, ready to go. Good for him. So, well done to him. Hopefully, we can see him in the first team sometime soon. Uh, if you can, because I remember when he came into the under twenty threes, he was he lit it up. He, I think he had like two hat tricks in the first couple matches. Yeah, he's a technically gifted player for sure. Yeah. Um. So now moving on, um, we I have seen reports that we are potentially in advanced talks for Stephen and Zonzi. 
Uh, it is between us and uh, Lil uh, in League One, or League One, uh, rather. Uh, and it doesn't, uh, it's not decided on which way to go. And actually, you know, I forgot it looking at my notes here. I forgot to mention this. Uh, the, uh, Tomas Suik, uh, signing potent, uh, is probably, will probably be announced tomorrow from the time of this uh, recording, uh, January 28th. Uh, so if it's posted after that, yay. <laughs> um, and so some other. We have a, we apparently tried uh, a deal for striker Christoph uh, Piatek, oh, uh, yeah. AC Milan. Um, it has not progressed, and there are other clubs in, ahead of us. Um, we have also tried for Braslako. I don't know. I am not good at V R S A L K J O. And my name, and I thought my name is bad. Um, <laughs> my last name is bad. Um, but he is of uh, uh, Athletic Madrid, and unsurprisingly, he turned us down because he didn't want to come. No. Yeah. We are looking for a right back uh, in France, Belgium, and Austria. And there was actually, Axe actually reported this that we had a surprising uh, loan move for a right back denied here in England, which is highly speculative. Uh, spec- speculated that it is a Tottenham player, young Tottenham right back. Walker's Peters, right? Yes. Uh, and the final thing that I had is, and this is, I put eye roll next to it, is we're linked again to Morega of uh, Porto. Uh, what I find funny, though, is that we're also linked with, or uh, that he's also linked with Tottenham. So. Because they're without Harry Kane, obviously. We must know his agent or something, you know. Like well, that's just we like have the relations with in Portugal. Yeah, yeah. We, have, yeah. we have like one connection to players, and it's all in Portugal. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, we only have one scout, so he's probably located in Portugal. Yeah, well, somebody somebody said recently they were like, "Listen, I know it took a, a long time, or it seems out of nowhere that we got this Czech guy, but clearly our one scout had to go all the way from Nottingham, where he failed in that, uh, you know, bid, <laughs> go down to Prague and then get a hotel, and then you know, and he's paying for all this himself anyway. So, uh, well, he first, you know. off, first off, he needed to find a direct flight, which I don't think exists. Yeah, yeah right. Come on. And that, and that's what took so long, everybody. We now figured it out. He doesn't like to transfer airports. I don't blame the guy because maybe, transferring maybe from, he took trains. Yeah. Why would you maybe take a train that. from London to Prague? That's stupid. You're that's that's like going from oh, St. Petersburg to Vladivostok in Russia. That's a seven maybe, that's too long. Maybe our one scout is scared of flying. <laughs> Guys, this is becoming a screenplay. This is becoming a screenplay. I need to write this story. Of a guy, like a, like one scout for a Premier League club that's fallen to pieces. He's trying to do everything, but his great thing is he's scared of flying. So how are you? Actually, sounds right. An amazing screen for And then he and meets it, you know, somebody on the train. He falls in love. Something terrible happens, guys. I'm I'm feeling it. Yeah. I need to read this. Hang on. I've recently become a huge fan of Brockmeyer. I think that would be a great IFC show to follow up on Brockmeyer. See. Say, yeah. If you've never seen Brockmire, it's Hank Azaria being a drunk baseball announcer. In season three, he sobers up, and it's very weird. 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, BBC, if you're listening, which you're not because you have <laughs> self-respect and you don't like <laughs> Americans. But BBC, if you're listening to this, I will uh, be willing to talk about my, my idea and I can pitch hit, it to you. Hit me up. Hit me up. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but that is all for the news that I have. All right. So we got two games this week. We got Liverpool on Wednesday and then we have... Well, Brighton on Sunday, on Saturday, excuse me. Are we even going to score a goal this week? You know, here's the, here's the hilarious thing. We keep saying it's going to be 7-8-0. This is West Ham after all. We're going to beat We I could see us beating them 3-0. <laughs> if, they, if we win 3-0, I will literally get my own piss. I'm going to hold you to that. So no, edit that out. Tim, Tim, edit that out. But no, guys, look. I, so I, you're right. We we show up at the oddest moments. We show up. At, it, it, feels and, like, it feels like we're going to be the team to grow Liverpool's undefeated season. But we're not because <laughs> we're not going to be Liverpool. No, we. So there are a few teams that we just cannot turn it on against um, in our current iteration. Like the, with the players we have now, the way we play, our car with our problems, a team without pace is not going to be able to beat Liverpool. Every mm. single one of their players, their goalkeeper can outpace our midfield. Okay, so very fair, um, actually. You know, guys. I mean, and Man City moved the ball so quickly. We're always like way out of position, and that's why they score four goals against us. Every single time we play them, so okay. um, Mark Noble hat trick. No, nah, man, like I'm just worried that right now, huge. Like if we could keep it to one goal, we lose one nil. I'm gonna be ecstatic. Yeah. So our last win against Liverpool came in 2006. Sorry, 2016. Excuse me. Uh, we won two nil. Yeah. At, at the bowling ground, Antonio scored in the tenth minute, um, and then Andy Carroll scored in the fifty-fifth minute. Believe it or not, so we've beaten them. But it's just, and our last, our last match against them was a draw. Believe it yeah. or not, so it was. It should yeah. have been a victory. That because yeah, that, that uh, imaginary line that that God the line that just jumped three yards. Yeah, that's another thing. They uh, they sure do have a, a charm when it comes to to referees. But <laughs> cheaters. Why? What? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> so, and then our last um, the last time we beat Brighton was in twenty twelve in the championship. We won six nothing. Yep, we haven't. Been, I know. Um, yeah, we haven't beaten. Part of the actually. Yeah, Ricardo Vettens had a hat trick, believe it or not. Um, and the last goal came on an own goal that was assisted by Mark Noble. I did not know he could get an assist on an own goal. Well, Mark Noble can do anything. Right he- I'm looking right Mark- here. It says Tigger's own goal. Noble said. If Mark Noble doesn't have a goalkeeper save stat by the end of his career here, I'm going to be furious. Um, so. But so, guys, um, I know we're getting towards the end of this. I know we're getting towards the end of this, but I want to ask you guys a question. And I know it's really sad, but I want to just let's just go ahead and talk about this because a lot of West Ham fans are talking about this. And if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, we can say whatever we want. Um, 
are we going to be relegated? I, my I answer, honestly, my opinion is 60, 40 and in, in favor of probably getting the drop. Um, it, for me though, it depends on getting this midfielder over the line. If we can get anyone else in, um, and I, I legitimately think with Aston Villa at home being our last match of the season, I legitimately could see that match being a winner's take all who stays in the Premier League. If you look at the Premier League relegation odds, like betting odds, we are fourth favorited right now. Uh, Aston Villa is third at one to one. We are sitting just above them at two to one odds. Um, it just, it doesn't look good. Um, my, especially with the lack of ambition in the transfer window, if Moyes does walk, there's no doubt in my mind that we're yeah. done. Yeah, um, we'll implode at that point. Yep. So, I, go ahead. I honestly think we're going to have Great Escape 2.0. Okay. Possible. And I think it's it's going to be a huge celebration. We're going to win, and the last day of the season, stay up. Everyone's going to lose their minds. And at the same, but at the same time, we're going to be riding so high. We're going to forget the fact that the board put us in this situation. And the yeah, that's what I was going to say too, regardless of position, if we stay in the Premier League, if we go down, even if we somehow, I, I know this is preposterous, but even if somehow we finish tenth this season, we cannot forget what this board has done. Yeah. We, that's what happened. This is the issue that happened last time. After the last round of protests against in the Burnley match and everything, the owners to kind of quell everything opened the wallet and spent a hundred over a hundred million pounds. We have to, and then we just kind of shut up about it. We're like, oh, they finally did their job. Okay, we're we're fine. This board cannot stay. This these protests have to continue. Con- Constantly until until something fundamentally changes until they actually build a proper club or sell it. Yeah. Well, guys, um, first I want to say shout out to Hammers United and all those guys over there who are doing these protests. We are all with you. Everyone here. I can't speak for everyone here. Oh yeah, um, I'm, in the, I'm, in the, I'm in the Facebook group. So yes. Okay. So uh, at least everyone on this podcast, we support you. We are behind you. We wish we could. Most of us are poor and cannot fly across uh, the Atlantic. Um, but that being said, um, I just don't know how we're going to stay up. I, I look at it, I do the math, and I just don't know. I feel like the teams, the teams that we're scrapping with now um, that are around us on the table, they're showing fight. They're showing grit. They're, they're bringing in players. Like uh, Aston Villa brought in Pepe Reina, and he made some key saves already. I mean, like, we're, we – we, we're doing nothing. We're we're doing what we always do. We leave it way too late. Same thing happened under Avram Grant. Um, you know, I, I just I've seen it before. It does not look good, and I I would be really surprised if at this point we if we stay up. And and the biggest thing to me, the biggest problem I have with this is that if we go down, part of being was could go down. That, that happens. Like you know, we're not we're not Liverpool. We're not one of those big clubs. I mean, that's the truth. We're a big club, but we're a big club that's always in our own way. So that's the reality. But it if we go down, our value takes a massive hit, and I'm worried like they won't want to sell. They'll feel like we need to get back up, and then it's just going to 
make them stay longer. That, so. that, what, that was my big concern with this West Brom match as well. That was a very, very weakened West Brom side. That was not their primary side. Yeah. And we couldn't keep up. If we go down, we're not going to have Allaire. We're not going to have Fornals. We're not going to have Anderson. We're not going to have any of the top, these top-named players. And we could stay there for years to come. Or do a Sunderland, man. Yeah. I mean, then that is the scary realization. And when you have the owner of the club saying or that he's reluctant to spend money, they don't give a fuck. That's not a social thing. And not, it's no different than going to a, going to your local country club and playing all yeah. for, I don't know what they do in the country clubs in the UK. Uh, tenants, uh, so, Shoot a trap or something. They play, they play golf. Yeah, I mean, they, they, golf's big. I mean, like you know, if you follow Dean Ashton like I do on Twitter, we love you, Dean. Um, he, uh, you know, that diffuse his ankle bones together because uh, you know of that that career-ending injury he had, which I still cry at night about. And now he plays golf. So uh, you know, that's what they do. Gareth Bale doesn't I mean he's uh, he's at Real Madrid playing golf. Yeah, that's, that's very true. But um, well, I mean. Go ahead. Well, I was about to. I was about to end it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Go ahead. So on that on that note, um, for Chris and John, I am Zach. Once sign, give a shout out to Tim and to Lee. I'm giving us this platform to continue to do this, and hopefully one of these days we're gonna have one to talk about, and it's going to be a glorious podcast. Yes. Hopefully it's hopefully it's next week. If we get two wins, <laughs> I think we would all be enjoying what the hell are we doing. If we make one win this week, it'll, next week it'll be a good podcast. If we get two wins, I'm doing this podcast naked. <laughs> good thing that there's no video for this podcast. And, and Zach and Chris are like, please lose. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually, I actually could imagine the same <laughs> live. If, if we get two wins, I'm going to do the next podcast hammered. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, on that note, good night, everybody. Good night. This has been an American Hammers radio production on AmericanHammersTV.us.